Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I think this is the battleground culture issue in America today. How is it that we can trust an organization for whom abortion is such an important part of their business model to simultaneously effectively prevent pregnancy and prevent abortion. The problem in America today is that people simply change the topic. The key to successfully talking about abortion is to try to bring the conversation back to one key question. When you're an obstetrician-gynecologist and you're pro-choice, you have to decide whether you're actually going to do those abortions. I believe that being pro-life is the most progressive value that we can have. The abortion industry is most threatened by Christians engaging in pro-life work. Finding that pregnancy center was the only person I had to support me at that time. She's got to know when she takes that pregnancy test that her church is not going to treat her like the Pharisees tried to treat the woman caught in adultery. As a church, we can't just vote pro-life. We have to be pro-love. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 446. Out now on digital is The Matter of Life, a documentary that delves into the abortion debate by presenting the history, the facts, and the testimony of an incredibly divisive issue, as told by those who advocate for the lives of the unborn. An incredibly moving and insightful documentary that presents the pro-life cause as one that is diverse, passionate, and thriving the Matter of Life is also the latest film from director Tracy Robertson. I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So just, you know, reading up about yourself and the making of this documentary, um, it's really interesting just how it kind of this, the Matter of Life kind of like came together and got made. And, um, you know, I came across a, a, a statement that you put out, I think it's on the, the website where you talked about Back, I think it was maybe 2016 or maybe maybe earlier than that, you described yourself as a as a pro-choice Christian and you didn't really like know much about the issue uh, of abortion and everything that kind of entails. And um I was just curious, kind of how does that how did that kind of process change for you to where we are today with with, with the matter of life um and, and your kind of standing as a very kind of I I think a really kind of significant pro-life voice in the filmmaking community. Um, because it is quite of a, a bit of a 180 there. What was it that really kind of spurned that kind of like a change in your opinion towards the issue of abortion? Well, my background is in film and video production and primarily as a video editor. And within that documentaries, uh, I've specialized in documentaries my whole career. And uh, I, in 2016, I had been commissioned on and off uh, by a pregnancy resource center in California to do their banquet videos and their promotional videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to tell these stories of women who are being helped by this center 
Um, it was a free service pregnancy resource center that helped people in unplanned pregnancies, uh, a lot of single moms that were choosing life. So I was inspired by the stories that, that I got to tell um, from this center, but I was very much in the mushy middle when it came to the abortion issue. I uh, didn't give the issue much thought, like you mentioned, and I pretty much, even as an evangelical Christian, I was pretty much subscribed to the, the cultural um, nuance or the cultural kind of um, thinking that, oh, it should just be her choice. So I think at best, my view was I'm personally pro-life, but who am I to enforce my beliefs onto other people? Who am I to, to try to take away that choice? So essentially that is pro-choice. Um, so it wasn't until my friends at the pregnancy center uh, invited me to an apologetics conference and the topic was going to be the case against abortion. And I thought, well, I'll go and, and see what my pro-life friends are talking about. You know, as a Christian, it's important to know the, these issues, I guess. And in less than two hours, the speaker who was Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason, he gave a clear, concise argument for the full humanity of the unborn child from mm. the moment of conception. And just how simple the argument was and the logic of all of uh, his talking points really was inspiring to me. And then he invited us to look at abortion aftermath imagery um, and fetal development. And, and here's when the heartbeat begins. And um, so I, for the first time, even though I was in my late twenties at the time, th this was the first time I have heard the basic information, uh, and really invited to look at abortion, uh, from a real perspective. So I was immediately downloaded that night, uh, with this vision that this needed to be a, a documentary film. I needed to put this into a movie somehow. Mm. Uh, it was just very strongly it struck me to that it needed to be a film. And, um, but I had all these questions about how we got to this point in our society in America. Like uh, I knew nothing about Roe v. Wade or the truth behind Planned Parenthood. I was so curious to understand how we actually got to this point of contention and divide in our country. And uh, because at that point, um, <clears throat> the fact that abortion kills an innocent human being was obvious to me. Why wasn't it? Why did it take that long <laughs> to understand that? Um, and why doesn't everybody else know? Uh, I knew there were so many people in my shoes, Christian, many Christians included, that had just never been invited to think deeply about this issue, had never been uh, able to confront the facts. Um, if they're like me, they grew up in public, the public school system, um, even going to church, uh, they never broached the topic, uh, growing up and my parents never talked about hard topics. So, uh, there's just a lot of people that, um, the culture has just sort of shaped their worldview. It's very true. And um, what I find really interesting about what you're talking about is that I'm kind of similar in, my, in myself. I'm a Catholic Christian and also finding kind of like in a lot of kind of Catholic circles that, um, some people just kind of like don't dive into the, the issue of it because it's just so contentious and so uh, controversial that I think they're almost afraid to kind of approach it. Um, they might have their own personal 
feelings about it, but I don't want to put put it out there and make that case as to why um, we believe that you know in the humanity of the unborn child. And I think I think to me the crux of the question in regards to pro life matter, and, it's, and I think it's also the matter of life itself. It comes down to what is the humanity of the unborn child. The unborn child is you know is it isn't a fetus, isn't whatever label you want to put it. Is it is you know from the moment of conception a, a human being. Um, with that in mind, though, you know, this issue of, of abortion has so many layers to it. There's history, there's politics, there's personal. So you yourself as a filmmaker, you know you want to make this. Where do you begin? Where is your kind of your starting point that will kind of, you know, flourish into everything else we see in the documentary? I'm really curious about that. Mm-hmm. Well, it really began with reading books and listening to Uh, YouTube videos of these different speakers. I just started to uncover this pro-life movement and this story of this movement in our country. And uh, within that, I discovered amazing stories of people overcoming uh, incredible circumstances, choosing life, or, or maybe they chose abortion in their past, but now they've had to heal and they've become movers and shakers in the pro-life community, that kind of a thing. So I, my world was just really opened to this story um, of how we got to this point in our society. I read about Roe v. Wade. I, I uh, read about the feminist movement in the 60s and 70s and the key players of pushing the abortion gen- agenda in the United States um, and how it all c- kind of wove together was just continuing to inspire me and continuing to just um, blow my mind. And I couldn't wait for other people to learn about it too. So, um, I, you know, collected all these different speakers in my repertoire, just in my YouTube research and book reading research and started to generate this script. Um, I started to write down a script of what I would want the movie to look like and what I'd want the speakers to say based on what they've already said in different talks and things and um, tried to, to just uh, lay it all out in a way that would be compelling and digestible and, and interesting to people. So that's kind of how it all started. What I really appreciate with what you do in the matter of life is that it really does um, confront perceptions that people might have of what the pro-life movement is and what it looks like and who's it made of, you know, the popular perception that people have these days, like, you know, the old adage that it's just used like verbatim now, just to the point of like an annoying kind of buzzing sound is um, that of, you know, old white men, uh, you know, which is which is funny because it was old white men who actually brought forth the Roman Wade ruling in the first place. I don't know which which part of history these people are looking at. But um, what's interesting about your documentary, it really shows a pro-life movement as a really kind of diverse kind of like a, a hodgepodge of people and not all, or not in all at all, you know, or everyone religious. You're talking to people also very like a very secular and atheist and, 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 uh, and, and feminist in their own way and present themselves as such. Is that something that also surprised you as well to find such a, a diversity within the pro-life movement and you have in interviewing these figures who, who openly proclaim that their approach to their pro-life advocacy isn't from a religious standpoint but from other standpoints whether being social political and scientific as well absolutely i mean that was actually something that inspired me day one uh when i heard alan talk was 
he didn't have to use the Bible or any religious arguments to prove his point. Um, he didn't have to go into any Bible verses, although he is a Christian, I'm a Christian, and we believe that um, God created human beings with intrinsic value and they're worthy of being protected, worthy of being spared for, you know, they're not just disposable items, uh, like we treat them in, with abortion. And so, um, but that doesn't mean he needed to use any religious arguments to prove his case. Uh, we have the science on our side. Um, it's really simple, but we tend to complicate it. Um, life begins at the moment of conception. Um, that you and I, everyone listening, that's where we all began. Um, and uh, we're all deserving of human rights um, from the very first moment of our of our life. And so it was really inspiring to discover in my research that there are secular groups that recognize the facts, that recognize the truth. And they're not, like I said, they're not religious. And um, they come at it from a human rights uh, perspective. And they, mm. the, the way they shape their argument and their approach is like, this is a atrocity. This is a civil rights issue. Um, this is a, uh, a genocide. They recognize that abortion is murder. Um, this, they want to protect vulnerable populations and people groups. And uh, who better to put in that category than unborn children who are defenseless? So it was really amazing to discover people like Teresa Bukovinak, who's featured in the film. Um, she's an atheist and uh, self-proclaimed liberal who um, started a group, Pro-Life San Francisco. And I interviewed her and, she, uh, you know, she's just a powerful uh, voice in the movement. And she's uh, she's now in D.C. now, but um she started a progressive anti-abortion uprising mm -hmm. and they look, they look like liberals. They look like, um, you know, people you would think that are on the other side, but they're advocating for uh, human rights in the womb. Um, so that was really inspiring. And she and her and uh, Kristen Turner and just the people that she works with are, they're inspiring the Christians a lot of times. I think yeah, I think like they are doing a really terrific job, and I think a lot can be learned from how they kind of approaching this kind of uh, issue. Because I think the problem where it come can come down to sometimes is that when people look at someone in the pro life movement, um, is that they just look at it as nothing more than kind of like an, um, a part of the like a, a religious kind of preaching, and that can turn off some people. But if you kind of really just break it down into really simple terms, kind of like how they do it in regards to what a human life is in the science behind it, I think they could go a lot of way to changing some hearts. Do you think so as well? Absolutely. I think that um, just the, the secular community becoming more and more involved in anti-abortion really dispels a lot of the arguments and a lot of the excuses um, for abortion, uh, that this is just a religious right-wing um, belief, and they're trying to enforce it onto any, to everyone. No, this is reality. And, um, people that subscribe to the truth and subscribe to the science, uh, they, they know when a human being begins. Uh, and so, um, we all, and it just goes to show that we all Christian or not, whatever religion you subscribe to, or, uh, whatever your belief system or your background, we all need to be pro-life. 
this involves this concerns communities everywhere. Um, this concerns countries everywhere, um, and people that in our in our communities, in our churches, in our schools, um, people are having abortions. So this is really an issue of humanity. It's not any particular group. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The history of the pro-choice uh, movement in America is incredibly fascinating. And I've seen movies and documentaries before that kind of outline the number of the key figures that you have in, in your movie as well. And the three main ones that I really keep hearing over and over are uh, Margaret Sanger, Jerry Nadler, and Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Um, and it's kind of like how the, the evolution of kind of like pro, the pro-choice movement to say uh, like a pro something of a protest movement to what is what would eventually become kind of like law or was like a federal law um, or deemed constitutional in America it was something that came across really swiftly um, and really kind of like uh, almost in a you know kind of impressive way if I can use the word so flippantly um, when you research the history of the pro-choice movement yourself and you come across these names what did you know any of this beforehand do you think anyone really knows exactly who these people were, uh, exactly what they advocated for, and exactly um, how they came across to, to make uh, you know, Roe v. Wade happen, because it's an incredibly uh, uh, interesting and fascinating story in its own right. Yeah, I don't think most people know about Margaret Sanger and the early eugenicist um, leaders that really spark this movement. Um, unless you've done your own research, you're in the pro-life movement, this is common knowledge to you. But I was in that category of just completely in the dark about all of it. Uh, when I heard, when I learned about Margaret Sanger, that was just mind blowing to me, uh, the kind of person she was and, um, just all the, the, the events that, that happened out of her life. She was the founder of birth control. And um, the documentary talks about this and, but she was also the, the founder of Planned Parenthood, mm. which later on advocated for abortion and it adopted abortion as their public policy. But Margaret Sanger's, her worldview was that we needed to eliminate and prevent um, weak human beings from be- even existing. So she would call them the unfit 
and just had this very sadistic view of humanity that too many people caused uh, more and more problems, that the more we can eliminate people, the less we'll have problems. Um, so she subscribed to birth control. That was, as we say in the documentary, that was her solution to everything. Um, but that, that was really the root of, of abortion in this country was this eugenicist worldview. And I think, you know, to see that kind of worldview in action, you know, all you have to do is look at uh, European countries like, say, Iceland um, in, in regards to how they approach um, babies with Down syndrome. Um, I don't know if you've looked into that yourself, mm-hmm. but like um, yeah. over there, it's like they eventually eliminated, um, you know, Down syndrome in, in within their people by, you know, ab- aborting almost, I think it's like the numbers, like almost 100% of fetuses that test positive with it. I mean, that right there is Margaret Sanger's legacy in action, isn't it? Absolutely. And Iceland even bragged about eliminating yeah. Down syndrome in their country. And it's just awful um, to, to think that they went on this search and destroy mission to, to perf- try to perfect uh, their population, play God. You know, Margaret Sanger says we, we need to, she said that we need to cultivate our garden. You know, that was her mentality was let's create this perfect population. Um, but really down syndrome people, they're the most beautiful, loving people that you'll ever meet. Um, and they, they, if you're, which says, if you're not some sort of utilitarian use to society, if you're not as productive as you can possibly be, you're, you're not worth uh, saving. You're not worth living or your life isn't worth living. Um, so it's a very sad uh, point of view, a sad worldview. <clears throat> and with the statistic in mind that that most prenatal diagnoses are false, mm. um, that's just a very dangerous practice to be a part of. Um, I, I think this, I don't know the, the number exactly, but I uh, talked to a colleague who's more of an expert on this than me. She said that upwards of 80% of all pre- prenatal diagnosis particularly in the first and second trimester are incorrect. Um, and so, so um, we really need to stop playing God because it, it just, it gives us a um, just a lower view of our own humanity and our, and how we treat people that are born. Um, so it has a ripple effect. That's really damaging to society. Oh, a character in history who's really fascinating that is, is featured in, in your documentary is that of uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And for people who don't know, he was an abortionist. And along with Jerry Nadler, he essentially like, like, like planted the seeds for the, the pro-choice movement in about the 60s and the 70s that kind of led to what Roe v. Wade was. Um, what's interesting about him, though, is that as you know, medical technology became much more um, intricate and, and, and became... Uh, and you can actually, in what he, what he described it as, he when he started doing um, uh, abortions with the use of an ultrasound, and actually see what was happening to the, the the child within the womb. That's when he kind of really had a one eighty, and not only a moral but a spiritual conversion at that point as well. He, in fact, he called the the advent of ultrasound as a, a window into the womb. Um, and I think that's a really kind of fascinating kind of element of the whole thing, isn't it? Is that the more technology that we have. Um, the more kind of um, information that that can that's out there to to show exactly what is happening within the womb, um, exactly how the child develops, and exactly what happens to a child during abortion. I think it's a really important uh, element to the whole um, kind of the debate. Don't you think so, Tracy? 
Absolutely. Bernard Nathanson, and we talk about this in the film, um, he was considered one of the, the most prominent abortion abortionists in the Western world. He operated a clinic in New York City in the 60s and 70s and uh, committed thousands of abortions. Um, and he had a conversion experience. And part of that was seeing an abortion take place on an ultrasound. And he made in the eighties in 1984, he made a documentary called the silent scream. Mm. And it's this very dated looking documentary, but it's so informative. And I decided to repurpose clips of that uh, and put them into the doc- into the documentary where he's showing an ultrasound take place. Um, and uh, he tried to inform the public and that's what I was so passionate about doing as well. Um, I wanted to give him a second voice uh, to give him to c- continue his message uh, into the 20- the 21st century um, that this is killing and it's wrong. And this is, he, you know, he uh, shows fetal development. Like he, he points to the models and, and then he also, I didn't put this in the documentary, but this is how he said, this is how an abortion is done. Um, And we actually see (laughs) in the real clips uh, in the original film, um, there's some very graphic imagery Mm -hmm. of, of an abortion taking place. Um, And it just shows the truth. Uh, That's really what people, women, especially uh, in the pregnancy decision, they deserve to know what is really behind an abortion, what they're really signing up for. Something that's really essential in your documentary as well is that not only do, are you looking at the science and the history of it, but you, you're looking at the kind of the intimate nature of, of what an abortion can do to a, a person and to a woman, especially. You have testimonies from women who have either had an abortion or who chose to give their children up for adoption. Um, and, you know, I'd imagine taking part in that, Tracy, that would have been perhaps maybe the hardest part of, of filming this documentary, to sitting down with um, people, with women, um, interviewing them about their stories. I mean, what was that experience like for yourself? Have you ever had to do kind of like interviews um, like that for a film before? And if, if, if not, um, what was that experience like for you to to hear their stories? And, and at the end of the day, did that really kind of bolster kind of your approach to what you essentially, I think, is kind of like a mission uh, for you to really get this documentary out there? Well, yeah, I I think that I had some practice with um, with the interviews that I did for the Pregnancy Resource Center. That was probably some of the most in-depth conversations I've had, the most personal where people are very opening up about very personal aspects of their, of their life. Um, so I was pretty prepared in that sense. And I, I'm not afraid to go to deep places with people. And so uh, the, the biggest challenge is probably earning their trust and, um, and, and helping them believe in the vision for the documentary that was probably the biggest challenge when there was no movie yet um, mm. was having people trust me with the vision for the film or just trust that I was going to do a good job handling this subject matter in a film. Um, so uh, with the, with the people that had a personal story, 
you know, I, I wanted to, sh- the, the motive behind that was I wanted to show people even, you know, n- despite the circumstances, it doesn't matter the circumstances of that child, that, that life uh, is worthy of protection. The circumstances do not outweigh the life itself. Um, and I wanted to show people that there is, there are other options. There is ways, even in the midst of, of trouble and um, difficult circumstances that you can choose life. And so we interviewed a woman who was raped in, in um, high school and mm-hmm. early on in high school and how she was considering abortion. She was afraid of what her parents would think. And when they found out, um, they eventually drove her to, uh, they were driving her to an abortion clinic. Um, the, the, especially the, the dad, her dad was extremely opposed to, uh, her having the child and she just got, had a sense in her spirit, um, that she needed to protect this child, even at the age of 14, I think she was, um, she just had this instinct and this voice tell her that this, this child needed to live. And so she told her parents to stop the car. And she eventually found, she decided to give that child an open adoption. So she found loving parents who couldn't conceive. Uh, She found a loving family for her daughter. Um, And her daughter grew up to be just this amazing woman. Um, And now she has her own child. So um, I just wanted to show people not only that, even in the circumstance of rape, um, there is, there is a life there. I mean, I don't like, I don't want to, um, downplay that the situation of rape is, is so difficult and it's such a, um, just horrible thing, a horrible experience to go through. We don't wish that on anybody. Um, but, um, we ought not to inflict two traumas on that, on that woman, uh, abortion is very traumatic statistically um, for the woman as well. And of course, not to mention the unborn child. So in, in justifying abortion after within the case of rape is really creating um, two victims. Um, and it's really a way of, of punishing and destroying a child who had no involvement in this crime. Um, so. Um, we need to punish the rapists. Really, they need to have longer prison sentences. There needs to be better reporting about them and sooner reporting. And um, we need to protect our our girls. So, um, so I just wanted to show that not only can you choose life, but you can also give this child to a loving family. Um, you can provide this wonderful life um, to a person. Uh, through, you know, it, it just goes to show that God can turn any circumstance into good. Um, he can take something that the enemy meant for our demise and what the enemy meant for evil and uh, turn it around for just um, for his glory and our good. And I think a lot of that is really shown in uh, in the really the um, offspring of uh, pregnancy sentence throughout the US. Um, there are a lot of places where people can go if they find themselves, uh, where women can go if they find themselves um, needing help, um, if they find themselves needing support. 
Um, and I think it's really excellent how you advocate for that within your documentary. What I find really interesting lately, though, where figures such as Elizabeth Warren, for example, are really speaking out like very harshly towards pregnancy centres to the point where she's pushing to have pregnancy centres shut down in Massachusetts, which I, which I believe is where her, her where she is from, um, for the sin of just having a different avenue for people for women to go besides having an abortion. What was your kind of uh, your reaction to seeing Elizabeth Warren and people like her really kind of like speaking out against pregnancy centres and, and and like really kind of uh, demonising them within the press? Yeah, in the U.S. right now, there's been a lot of domestic terrorism against these centres and uh, like fire toward um, uh, starting fires and completely demolishing these centers and nobody, the government has not done anything about it. Um, And I think that the pro abortion industry or the abortion industry, they recognize that the more influence that these centers have, the less bottom line the abortion industry has the more babies will be saved and the less abortion money will come in um there i mean politicians pro-abortion politician oftentimes they're they're um funded by the abortion industry their campaigns and you know donations come in from these lobbyists and so of course it's in their it's in their best interest to uh renounce any sort of organizations that that help women choose life um, because that's that's um, taking money from abortion industry in their mind. So, um, and they know that I think it's a spiritual battle first. I really believe that after Mm -hmm. just sort of observing this, this carry on for many years, it always goes back to a spiritual battle. And I think that the forces of darkness in this world, whatever voice they're coming out of, uh, they know that when you give life a chance, uh, when you give light a chance, it eradicates a lot of evil. It eradicates death and and destruction. Um, when you start to give women option, like different options of, of hey, you don't have to do an abortion. Look, look at all the services available to you. Uh, you can choose life and not have your <clears throat> your life completely be, um, you know turned upside down uh, in a negative way. Once people realize they can truly give their child life and still survive, that's just the end of the abortion industry altogether. I mean, that that um, is just the starting point for like the unraveling of abortion in our country. The more women know about their options, the worse it is uh, for, for abortion. Well, Tracy, I truly do believe that you are one of those forces of light that is shining an issue, uh, shining a, a bright light on this issue. Um, and I think the matter of life, the documentary that you put together, I'll say to you off air, is I think it's the best I've seen so far in regards to tackling this issue. I really do. And I've seen, I've, I do always reach out to filmmakers and um, when, when they try to, you know, take this issue on and, and God bless them, doesn't work all the time. What I think you've done here in Matter of Life in regards to its content and also to its presentation as well. Something I haven't talked about is just how good the the editing and the music and the photography and the animations are in this movie. It really makes a complete picture, one, a movie that is both engrossing and illuminating. And I think that is an incredible 
uh, achievement that you've done on your on your behalf. And I want everyone to please go to matteroflife.org. There you can find links to where you can stream the movie. You can do so at Salem Now and at Re- Re- Revelation Media. And um, what news have we got so far, Tracy, in regards to any type of uh, DVD uh, release uh, as such? Because I know that when you're doing um, tours around churches, you have some Blu-rays for sale. Are those still available or is there going to be new pressings um, forthcoming in the future? Um, we just did a post-row edition of the film. We just had to update it with some new clips about uh, the Dobbs case. Um, so the DVDs are are in production right now. I don't have an exact date of when they'll be ready, um, but stay tuned. They'll they'll be ready for purchase uh, in the future. And make sure everyone goes to thematteroflife.org to find out all information in regards to that. Um, if you can, watch it now, either through Salem Now or Revelation Media. I highly, highly recommend you do so. This has been a, an incredible uh, movie to watch. Um, and Tracy, I think you've done a fantastic job here. And I thank you so much for your time today. And please do thank keep you. in touch. I'd like to hear about your future projects. And I'd love to, to review them and, and talk to more about them with you. I think you've done, you. You're doing a great service here. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate that.